Welcome to the Launchbox Podcast. I'm Anjali, and I can't wait for you to get to know plant-based kitchens from around the globe. Every episode will unpack inspiring stories and delicious menus of spots that are guaranteed to be your next food experience. From Scotland to South Africa, here with me is Amy Gardiner, owner and founder of Humble Coffee. We are in two separate continents connected through plant-based food and the curiosity of knowing more about Humble Coffee, a roastery, a cafe, and a co-working space. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. I'm honored to be here with you. (laughs) Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Tell us about who you are and what Humble is all about. Yeah, so I moved to South Africa from Scotland in 20, I guess I've been coming to South Africa since 2012, but I moved over in 2013. Um, I just saw such opportunity here. Um, I guess not at that time I was thinking about having a coffee shop or roastery. I've always worked since I was younger in hospitality, so it was something I was familiar with. But I just had, I fell in love with the energy of the city um, of Durban, where that's where I am in South Africa. And I just saw such opportunity for um, entrepreneurship, um, social entrepreneurship, and also um, helping young people to get into the industry and turn hospitality, coffee, food into a sustainable uh, career. So we started, um, well, I started Humble Coffee in 2017, primarily as a coffee roaster. At that time, we didn't have a cafe. We didn't have really a shop attached to it. Um, I just had my roaster and we were roasting wholesale coffee beans um, for different restaurants, cafes, and that kind of helped me, um, you know, get my name out, get my brand out. At that time, we were called Humble Roasting Company. And yeah, it was it was a nice kind of start and entry into the Durban coffee scene. I had worked at a coffee shop for a few years before, so I was already familiar with um, the expectations of, you know, a South African customer in terms of coffee. It's, it's um, different everywhere you go, but I had quite a, a good idea of, you know, the end product and what I wanted to achieve. And then um, in 2019, two years later, we were given the opportunity to move into a larger space. um, And I initially didn't realize it was going to be such a food-orientated place. I'd never really worked in a kitchen before. Um, Commercially, I'd always been front of house, baristaing, you know, waitressing, that kind of thing. And as we kind of moved into this larger space, and people started to come for coffee and cakes and that kind of thing. They, you know, were asking me more about food and what do you see the place turning into? And then we started with a, um, a, a tiny menu. I think there was only four or five items on it, but our vision was really to, to do very simple things, um, healthy things, but just do them really well. Um, and yeah, now our menu's got like 22 items on it. We've got like a full scale kind of industrial kitchen we make all of our jams our compots um, all of we bake a lot of cakes here so yeah it just kind of spiraled into this really nice thing now we have 10 um, team members working for us we're on an all-female led and run business which we're really proud of um, giving young women in Durban a chance to follow 
um, this as a career path and yeah, just see it through. And that's kind of how it started and how it's going. It sounds so simple, but having a background, I know it's not as simple as it is behind the scenes. What were your challenges back then? So back then, I realized because I'd worked in cafes so much, I was actually more confident in the cafe side of things than the coffee roastery side of things. And I think I was really lucky in that regard because I'd never worked in a coffee roastery before. I'd only ever worked in a cafe. So for me, even to this day, the coffee roasting side of things is still more challenging than the cafe side of things. I guess I've been lucky to learn from other people's mistakes and see how other people have done it, you know, take a little bit of knowledge and kind of build on it. Um, but I guess the most daunting things back then was just, are people going to show up? We were in such a random location um, and you know, you'll have good days and bad days. And I think also just finding a strong team that work together and, you know, energize each other. I think it's, it's very simple to find people to work for you. But if you can find a team that work together and share your vision, then it makes your job and just owning a business just so much easier. And I've been so lucky in that fact that we've built our team up naturally and organically throughout the three years that we've been open now. And we've got such a nice vibe here. And I think the customers really also pick up on that as well. Yeah. I don't know what your situation is, but generally we have a high turnover because people are mostly transient. People who are studying, doing their bachelor's, master's, or having a gap year. And then when they're done, they move forward with life. And having a such strong team is a key to making it work. Yeah. No, I know we're, we're pretty lucky in that regard as I, I know working in Scotland, we had a very similar vibe where, you know, people often look at, you know, hospitality as like a buffer when they're studying mm -hmm. or they're, you know, qualifying to do something. Whereas here, um, there's a huge unemployment problem in South Africa. So um, unfortunately, it can lead, it's, you know, a cause of, of many things. But I think, you know, people who don't have maybe such an opportunity to educate themselves into tertiary education here. So it's more common for young people to perhaps go straight into a career or, you know, work in hospitality as a, as a full-time job. So we're just really lucky that we have those people and they kind of act as our anchors in the kind of atmosphere and the identity of Humble. However, we also have people like you've talked about who will come and go, but it's also important for those people to understand the the nature of the business and then those permanent staff members I think really really help to do that. I like that you mentioned how you're there empowering young women and giving them the opportunity to work and create value in the society. Yeah no 100% and I think the the challenge here as well in South Africa and I'm sure in other places is, is to get a job you need experience but how are you going to get experience if nobody's going to give you a job because you need experience? So it's like this vicious cycle. So as much as we can, we try and employ people who have very minimal experience or have never even worked in the hospitality industry. And I think one of my favorite things about, um, you know, having Humble is to watch people's self-transformation within a short space of time come from a person who, you know, maybe had 
quite minimal English or was not confident speaking to customers, um, not confident making food or working on the coffee machine to see their transformation even from three months to a year is just so beautiful and really rewarding and just, yeah, that's really nice. I like that because this is where true transformation happens when someone believes in you. And yeah, we also hire people without experience at all. And from having zero experience to becoming the star employees that they are, it's all worth it. Yeah, no, I get you. It's the same here. You mentioned about social entrepreneurship. Is this something you have a background in or is this something that grew organically and became part of the business model? So I don't have any direct experience with social entrepreneurship. I do really want to um, educate myself more about it, maybe go back um, and study um, in detail. I just always found that I think to any business, you know, obviously you'll have social entrepreneurship uh, companies that are solely um, like non-profits and things like that. But I think it's something that's always fascinated me and we try, we don't do as much as I'd like currently, but we do really try to offer Humble more as a community space um, in the, the neighborhood. So if somebody wants to host an event here, um, you know, that's centralized around empowerment or, you know, like a charity event, you know, we're so open to offering our venue um, as like a platform for them to, to kind of fulfill their vision of empowerment. We have a really nice um, group of um, people who meet here once every two months and um, it's almost like a, a panel discussion where they go through different issues facing South Africa, facing the world and it's like lovely to see the venue being used for projects such as that um, and I think yeah more of that here is really important but I think in in every business you know it's like so important to just be mindful of others around you and other chat other challenges that people are facing such an inspiration i love how you use your space from being a cafe to being used as a venue to host talks and events but for someone like me who has not been there it looks so cozy and peaceful from your social media how big is the space and how do you describe it in general so the space itself is, is quite big it's it used to be like a call center and it's quite like industrial I think in total it's about we started at about 150 squares but we've actually since um, extended the space when we started it was very basic we didn't have a lot of money in the beginning to like you know inject get everything new and that kind of thing mm -hmm. we just kind of built on it organically um, and I think that's also really nice for customers to see how far we've come I mean when we when we started we we had to use our neighbors bathrooms you know it was like quite rustic in a way it was just <laughs> yeah it was just basic but it worked in the beginning um, and yeah since then we've actually we've knocked through the wall and we've created a, a co-working space as well and um, there was a real need for that after COVID and during lockdown. So many people were working remotely but didn't want to work from home. So 
Um, we've created like a really tranquil co-working space in the back with like charging points and people can kind of, I often see people not working there because they'll get chatting to somebody beside them on their laptop and end up, you know, making a new connection from somebody else that's remotely working there, which is really nice to see. But I think we can probably, yeah, we seat around 30 to 35 people in the cafe at once. Um, it's just, as you said, it's quite tranquil, cozy. Um, we're in quite an industrial area, so there's not a lot of like walking trade, like um, food trade, like that walks past. We're more of like a destination cafe. And then, yes, around, around us more kind of like panel beaters and like mechanics and that kind of thing. But I guess that's kind of worked well for us because when people drive here, then they stay here for quite a long time or, you know, it's like a destination. So they'll come here and they'll bring people as well, which is really nice. Did you do the interior yourself or did you hire someone? Because even though the space is big, you made it so that it still looks cozy. So we had, I had like a very strong idea of what I, I, I wanted in terms of the basics, but we had a really nice small architecture firm draw up some kind of basic drawings for us because me not being an experienced architect obviously looked over some major things, like acoustics and light panels from the ceiling to kind of absorb some of the noise and um, yeah, just like bits and bobs that we did in the beginning as basics and then from there I kind of just added on to to what they'd helped me create in the beginning. We use like quite a lot of textures from plants and um, we've got really nice tiles on our counter which brings such a beautiful reflection of warmth um, from like the afternoon sun and I think what's quite important as well is walking from outside which is quite a harsh industrial road, lots of cars, lots of traffic, lots of like noise pollution into Humble. Um, we have these really big glass windows that shine light in and we have like a maglock door so it's very like soundproof. It almost feels like you're kind of walking into a sanctuary from the noise that's outside. And I think that feeling has really helped us create the space that we're kind mm -hmm. of working with. And post-COVID, you pivoted into a co-working space and provided a third space for people who can work remotely in your cafe. Yeah, so we did that in 2021. Um, we saw there was a huge need for it as people were on their laptops in the main cafe area. And unfortunately, we're taking up quite a lot of space in terms of like single tables. Mm -hmm. And instead of chasing those people away or charging them to use the space, which I really didn't like the idea of, we just moved it more to a kind of communal space um, which worked well for everybody because it can seat up to 10 people, even 12 people. And it means that when we get people in the cafe for lunch or big groups of people who want to just eat and have coffee or have juice, they're not having to fight people on laptops for tables. So it kind of helped that, um, that kind of atmosphere as well. I like how you mentioned about having Humble's organic growth and now you have a cafe with roastery on top of everything else. And also how the food aspect sort of grew. Tell us about the inspiration of your menu from having a very few selection to 22. I guess, 
it was I, I always say like you know if you listen to your customer they're usually bang on the money in terms of what most people want we found that like people kept asking us for things um not in a like an aggressive demanding way just almost like suggesting mm -hmm. oh why don't you try this or it would be really nice to see some eggs on the menu and then i think that kind of sparked a creativity in me to kind of you know deliver more more options because i really really do as recently discovered enjoy menu creation and um, using seasonal produce and you know we have like a specials chalkboard as well so that kind of it keeps things exciting and I feel I mean I don't know how much you know about Durban as a city but Durban has an amazing collection of uh, cafes and restaurants but in terms of variety and choice there's not as much as say maybe Copenhagen or Cape Town or like I was just in Edinburgh my hometown and I mean there's four or five specialty coffee shops um, cafes on one road doing the same thing and they're all busy mm -hmm. so I think you know it was quite important for me to have something a bit different something unique um, where people could come in and the food would be kind of consistently um, good and there would also be something new always for them to try because we have a lot of re repeat customers as well so quite often we'll see the same faces in here twice a day three times a week five times a week and i think it's obviously important for them to have something new or just to see that as a business we're being innovative so you are inclusive in your menu and this is why you are a plant-based kitchen tell us about the main menu that you have yeah, so it's pretty like breakfast, brunch and lunch centric and um, because we close at three, we don't really kind of do dinner um, we have looked at maybe launching like a small range of kind of frozen meals because people love things like our soups and things like that. And mm -hmm. um, we've potentially like looked at launching a few of those kinds of things. Um, but in terms of our cafe menu, we have like probably about equal amounts vegan options to non-vegan options um, we do have fish in our cafe so we use um, locally sourced trout um, and salmon but yeah most of the stuff that we use is plant-based with eggs um, we've got really nice wraps uh, granola bowl we make all of our granola here in the house um, oats bagels sandwiches we have really nice um, options for vegans such as like uh, a plant-based egg which you can add to your sandwich instead of a normal egg um, yeah and we don't advertise ourselves as like a pescatarian vegetarian mm -hmm. cafe because I find that you know I'm sure you'll find the same thing quite often people will have like a preconceived idea of of what that is and it will immediately put them off if they know that something's vegan or purely vegetarian so most of our regular customers still don't even know that we're just a, a vegetarian <laughs> cafe. They've not even clicked yet, which I find so great because like randomly after coming here for a year, they'll ask me for like a chicken mayo sandwich and I'll be like, we don't do chicken. We're a vegetarian cafe. And they'll be like, what? And it'll be that kind of like sudden realization, which is nice because it means that what you're offering, I guess, is good enough to, to not require any meat or anything like that. 
and your food looks super good. I can't wait to try your pancake stack. <laughs> Who is working with you on the menu? Is it you or do you have chefs responsible for it? So I basically created the menu as it stands um, because our chefs, we have um, like a kitchen team um, I wouldn't necessarily say head chefs. I mean, they are the like they run the kitchen, um, and they're amazing at you know getting food out and stuff. And as their experience has built, I'm now involving them and my front of house team more in creating the drinks and the food that that goes out. Um, I think since we opened, as I said, we've seen like a huge improvement and like growth in people's abilities of, of what they're capable of and I think now is the perfect opportunity we're just about to relaunch a menu um, like you know to encompass more of a seasonal aspect and I think it's just so nice to get the, the whole team involved in that process because to see something that you've created or co-created on a menu it gives you so much pride in, in actually creating it and getting it out there. When people come in and they haven't been to your place, what would you recommend for them to try? Hmm, it's such a tough one. But I definitely say our, our Turkish eggs is like probably the most popular um, dish along with our overnight oats. Those are like crowd pleasers. And <laughs> people have said that we have like the best scrambled eggs in the city, which I can't take any credit for because that's all our kitchen team, Cindy and Nomfundo, lead that side of things. And they, I don't know how they get those scrambled eggs to taste so amazing, but yeah, it's always a winner. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess we have such a nice kind of variety of things. People often will um and ah and what to get, but they're, they're touch wood, never usually disappointed with their choice. And I'm also happy like, because I'm always here as well, it's it's really nice that I can chat to customers and and you know see what they would like. We have like a few keto customers and just getting their feedback on what they want to see on the menu or what would be helpful for them is is makes my life a lot easier. And like we have obviously gluten free bread, so I'm happy to like you know switch menu items around to take into account people's dietary requirements and and things like that. So. Yeah, we're just trying to be, I don't want vegan people or gluten people to, gluten-free people to come here and like feel like we don't have a choice. You know, often you'll go somewhere um, with a dietary requirement and you'll feel like you don't have a choice with maybe one option or at a stretch two. Whereas here it's like, you know, you can choose between like three, four, five things. Um, and, you, you know, it's just nice to have that kind of option. How is it when you decided to not put meat on the menu? Was it a personal choice aside from it being different from the rest? Yeah, I think I just don't enjoy cooking meat myself. And it was definitely a personal influence. I think I was just, I want, I was determined to kind of make it work without meat and, you know, not marketing it as a, a vegetarian cafe. We seem to have, kind of done that and and it I'm so glad that we we decided to be meat free because we've actually um appealed to a wider range of dietary requirements you know even such as halal now <laughs> vegan vegetarian gluten-free pescatarian um people who are not eating egg for fasting reasons things like that you know 
I think, especially in Durban, where we have such like a, a variety of, of cultures and diversity of people living here, we've just been, it's worked out really well for us because now we appeal to, to so many. Um, and I could have never foreseen it by just choosing not to serve meat, but I, I honestly don't think we would be as successful as we are if we had meat on the menu, which is really great. Yeah, it's not only serving a wide variety, but also just sticking to your niche. What's your perspective on price increase? Here in Copenhagen, we are badly hit and needed to increase prices. Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy crazy time and um, we've also yeah recently had to increase prices just purely um, everything has gone up and not just raw ingredients I mean because we're a coffee roastery as well uh, things like gas um, have increased massively and just the, the cost of living so in, as we increase our prices we hopefully can increase our our staff wages as well because mm -hmm. those those team members are also feeling the pinch of of the price increase in inflation and you know fuel going up and everything and um, so i th yeah i don't know if that's just post-covid but we were quite lucky in the sense that south african lockdown was like very tough we mm -hmm. couldn't we weren't allowed to leave the house at all um i mean like you couldn't even go for a walk for like gosh i can't remember how long it was but it was definitely I think it was almost two months. So yeah, like even to take my dogs around the block, you couldn't, you know, you were confined to your indoor or garden space. And then obviously to get groceries or like medical supplies you could leave. So it took a long time for the hospitality industry to recover. Um, we were very lucky in the sense that restaurants, I think were hit a lot harder than cafes because mm -hmm. there was an alcohol ban for a long time and you weren't, there was a strict curfew, so you weren't allowed to stay out past eight o'clock, I think, in the beginning, mm -hmm. which meant that more and more people were meeting at coffee shops um, for their social fix instead of, you know, going to restaurants or bars. Um, and we were just so lucky that we kind of saw um, people coming here just to get that social interaction for the day, even though we were just doing takeaway only for a short time, because that's always that was allowed. Um, and I think after sit downs, after the takeaway ban was ended and people could sit in again, that's when I just saw Humble kind of like get go to the next level. And that's when we did like our renovations in the back and things like that. So I think we really did benefit from that kind of post COVID boom of people just wanting to get out there and see other people and you know eat cafe food and things like that so we were very lucky in that regard um but yeah as of lately like I don't know if you've noticed I find that people are are more not cranky but just like it's just everything is like I think hitting everyone hard and quite often <laughs> that will get taken out on people in the service industry unfortunately um but yeah, it's it's been it's been a crazy time, but we've we were really lucky to to get through it, and we weren't hit nearly as hard as a lot a lot of South African businesses have closed um, in the past two to three years, which is just so sad to see. Um, but yeah, we're still going, chugging along, but everything's just kind of getting more and more ex expensive, as you said. Right, and 
how does the rose tree comes into the picture in terms of coping with the inflation? I mean, due to the war between Ukraine and Russia, we have seen a spike on our electricity bills. And you have machineries, I can imagine, that use a huge amount of electricity. Yeah, uses gas and electricity. And also we ship, well, we import coffee and we use coffee importers um, for our green beans. So I'm sure you know the price of shipping and import and export has absolutely skyrocketed. So I guess we were also lucky in in the sense that we we use like strictly specialty coffee, um, which is as it was before COVID and before the war, like a lot more expensive than um, commodity grade coffee. I think people who were using um, the lower priced commodity coffee saw a massive increase in that price because um, they were paying more for like the shipping side of things. Whereas we've just kind of had to, you know, put our prices up again mm-hmm. as it is and just try and explain to people why and I think it's it's quite hard in, in when you have a roastery because people will see coffee at the supermarket mm-hmm. and they'll compare it to your coffee and even though it's completely different you know people will I don't want people to feel like they're being ripped off but it's just unfortunately as you said the way it is in terms of like price increase things are just so much more expensive and risk I guess it's just so much higher than before because you know you're you're going to import something which you might not know how long it's going to take where it's going to get stuck how long it's going like to clear when it gets to South mm-hmm. Africa or wherever it's going and then obviously the the prices that you pay on import like duties and things have also gone up dramatically so yeah it's 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 kind of a risk that that we take um we're lucky that we have like really good relationships with some local um, specialty importers who kind of do all of that administrative horrible stuff for us so we can you know buy the coffee at a set price um, and then just you know cost it from there but I guess it's a bit of a roller coaster at the moment because things are just going up and down so rapidly. It takes a lot of time and a lot of details. Do you feel like you're putting off fire every five minutes running a cafe? No, I think you wouldn't be running a cafe if you didn't feel like you're putting out a fire every five minutes. I think that just comes with the job. You're just like constantly. I think in a way I enjoy it. I really, I'm like one of those people I thrive off of adrenaline. So like if it's busy or if I've got a thousand things to do, um, I'll just like run around and try and do as much as possible. I'm one of these people that can't really sit down when it is when I did finally start taking a day off I really struggled in the beginning to just you know like relax and try and like sit at home and not do things Um, I actually took my team in the end to tell me Amy you need to take a day off because they were like getting over me just being here all the time which is quite funny but yeah, I think it's one of those things where people a lot of the time will think it's cafes and restaurants and bars, they're lifestyle businesses and you just sit on your computer all day and, you know, you tell people what to do. But I think in reality, and I'm sure you'll know, like mm-hmm. just so much goes wrong that you could never, never foresee where if it's something being out of stock or something suddenly doubling in price or your fridge suddenly breaks or yeah. suddenly, you know, you've got... Like we obviously with the roastery, like things will happen there, and you're just logistically trying to manage things all the time. And I think it takes you know somebody who's 
quite good at organization because if you think about it in the end it's you're not just running a cafe you're running like an entire logistical business i think doc you've got um employees to to also manage you've got all of the administrative side of things whether it be vat or you know employee documentation all of that so i think it's it's just yeah you it keeps it keeps you on the move constantly i don't think it's it's um, an easy an easy job at all and I do take my hat off to other people doing it as well because it really does take it out of you sometimes. Humble Coffee won as the best cafe in South Africa. Yeah, in 2021. And coming from there's too many things to do uh, to run the business, what keeps you going? I think as you mentioned just there, my team just keeps me going and customers as well constantly you know, building on on what what we started. I just want to try and employ as many people as I like physically can. Mm-hmm. So the the the, better, the more we grow, the better, because then I can just you know employ more people. I think also like what really keeps me going is I don't feel like we finished yet, and mm-hmm. I don't think I ever will feel like we've I finished doing what I want to do here or you know the cafe's reached its full potential. I'd love to get to a place where we could open more shops, um, not necessarily the same as this cafe, but different um, you know, cafes with the same kind of vibe around Durban, around South Africa. So I feel like you know, what keeps me going is like the, the opportunity for like growth and just, just kind of what the brand's potential can lead to. I mean, it's already come so far in the short space of time that you know it's been open and obviously covid kind of put a bit of a spanner but i think with without covid and stuff we would have definitely maybe achieved more or have another store or have you know more locations but i think it's just the excitement of what what the brand and the business has in store for me because it kind of steers me in the directions that i'm going mm-hmm. um, and i yeah i'm just kind of excited to see where it leads me <laughs> Looking into the future, are we seeing more branches from Humble Coffee? I think it's something that I like, I'm an eye with a lot in terms of opening other locations because so often you'll see places expand and they'll expand too quickly and, you know, everybody will compare the new branches or the Mm -hmm. new locations to the original. And that's something that kind of terrifies me in a way that I wouldn't necessarily want to open somewhere that's the same. Um, if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. I would like to have other humbles, but I would want them to maybe encompass a different kind of um, of trade. Where, whereas if it's maybe a wine bar, for example, mm-hmm. or a hatch like beside the beach where you only do like donuts and takeaway coffee or mm-hmm. like, you know, I would love to build on the brand and see see what we could do with it, because I think it's a, quite a playful brand. And I think if you keep the golden thread of, of what we started here on Churchill Road and you kind of, you treat this as the mothership and, you know, the anchor and you kind of build little kind of strings from here, then it could potentially really work. And then you wouldn't have the issue of people kind of, you know, you don't want to do like a carbon copy every time of the same thing because people like to experience different things. And in Durban, as I said, we don't have a lot of tourism um, mm-hmm. It's quite a small community um, and the coffee community is very like kind of 
small and involved with each other. So it would be nice to kind of, you know, offer something to, to those people that's, that's different, that's fresh. I love your mindset. How can people find Humble Coffee? I mean, for people who travel far and wide, can you share your location and social media handles? So you can find us on social media. At, we're Humble Coffee ZA. That's our, our handle. We're on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. But if you come to Durban, Durban's quite like, it's a big city, but it feels small when you're, when you're here. So we're about five, 10 minutes drive from the beach. We're on a road called Churchill Road. Um, you'll probably think to yourself, where the heck am I going when you're in your Uber and they're driving you to this road? But if you see a huge mural that says, wake up and smell the coffee, you'll know that you've made it to the right place. Um, but yeah, we're in central Durban, so we're quite close to, to most hotels and backpackers and things like that if people ever visit here. And it's a beautiful city and South Africa is a beautiful country and there's just so much to do and so much to see. Um, but yeah, Durban's also really special in its own way. I'll be there in the future. It's just nice to have someone I have in connection with in South Africa, right? So we would love that. <laughs> and I'll come and visit you next time I'm in Copenhagen. Thank you so much for being in the podcast. I wish you all the best and I hope you employ as many young women as possible. Thank you so much. It's been so nice to speak to somebody who's also in the industry and shares you know similar visions and experiences with hospitality so i think it's it's easy to connect with somebody who's you know shared similar challenges and things like that it's been a pleasure really good speaking to you absolutely thank you so much thank you and we'll chat soon we'll chat soon okay cheers cheers bye, bye. thank you for listening Feel free to share it with others and spread the word. I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Launchbox Podcast. Yeah.